Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 90 of UAB Green and Told, original debut Monday, January 30th, 2023. Through this podcast, we're given the chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. Want to listen to past episodes of Green and Told? Check us out at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. While there, we'd love for you to leave a written review so more alumni can find us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and Director of Communications in the Office of Alumni Affairs. As you probably know, we live in an age of news now. No matter where you turn, you have access to what's going on all around you. Information can be discovered literally at your fingertip. But that has not completely replaced the need for traditional news. You can digest from listening to the radio, reading the newspaper, or watching the evening news. As today's podcast guest Janice Rogers explains, there's something special about the images from reports we get on TV. Television is still where it is. And I tell some of the younger people, you can put yourself on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You cannot put yourself on TV. For Janice, she's living a dream, one that starts when viewers are just waking up from theirs every day and continues through midday. We're on air from 4 a.m to 10 a.m. We go off the air. We come back on at 11. For three decades, she's been welcomed into the homes of countless Alabamians. Janice Rogers has been a friendly face television viewers have woken up to as they start their morning with the latest news. While she's recognizable and we can say we know her, do we really? Janice's story really starts out as a teen when her dad moved her family to Alabama to work for Drummond Cole. Well, my mother would tell you for two weeks, I was a hellion, not happy. And then all of a sudden it just clicked. I mean, I made friends immediately and just met some of my best friends that I still have to this day. And so I just fell in love with the place. And, you know, I, I've always been, I have a happy heart, I feel like. So I think that was just the adolescent not being happy about moving. But once I settled in, it was all good. So I have loved being here and it's been one of my greatest blessings. So what were you like? What did you enjoy doing as a teenager in McCalla? <laughs> well, I grew up on a farm. So my daddy was not a farmer. Like I said, he worked for Drum and Coal Company, but he loved to farm. So we had 60 acres in McCalla and my daddy would farm in the morning. And then he would go to work and work the evening shift, like the two to 10 shift at Drum and Coal Company. So I grew up on a farm, great life, five brothers, one sister. Um, we're the family that got to, we were the Brady Bunch. My mom and dad were both married before, had three kids apiece, and then I was the one between them. And, but we all were together and we got together every Sunday. And so it was, it was really one of those, I laugh at it now, but. I thought everybody lived that way. You know, everybody's families were that close. And then I learned they weren't. But it was, um, you know, growing up in McCullough was just great. You know, our family was there. All my friends were there. Um, I loved horses. We loved water. We uh, would go to the river. The Warrior River was a place we spent a lot of time. So um, I kind of grew out of the horses as I got a little into my teens. Um, but the water stayed with us. And we, we to this day, I still have a boat. And some you know sea dews so we love the water what is it about water that draws you to it gosh i know isn't that weird i don't know and you know growing up in jacksonville we would go to the beach and i love the beach i do love the beach but because we were up here i think that was one of the reasons i kicked and screamed to come to alabama i'm like what are we gonna do <laughs> um 
but but I think it was the camaraderie. Just uh, it was a laid back life, and everybody was happy and chill, and so that's what I like. I, I like, and as I got older, being in the news business, you know, all the bad stories that I would do. Um, those weekends on the river were just really great to kind of decompress and forget about the bad stuff. Rewinding a little bit, you know, during your time in high school, you wound up deciding to come to UAB. Mm -hmm. Was it always going to be, I'm going to be a Blazer, I'm going to go to my hometown school, or was there a little searching outside of the community as well? Well, to be perfectly honest, um, even though my daddy worked for Drum and Coal Company, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so I was the first one in my family to even consider going to college. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but my brothers and sisters are all very successful, but they did not go to college. One of my brothers ended up becoming a nurse later in life. So he did go to school. But at that time, I was, I had not gone to school. My brothers were all in the Marines. Uh, I had one in the Navy. And so, you know, I got privileged that they didn't get. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be able to go to college. And I've always been kind of a home person. And, you know, I think it was money was one reason, to be honest, why I why my parents looked at UAB for me. And then when I went there and, you know, I didn't live on campus, you know, I, I lived at home. I drove to class every day, but had tons of friends on campus, went to, you know, back then it was basketball mm -hmm. and coach Bartow. So, you know, I grew up in the royalty of basketball at UAB, but God, I loved it. I ended up um, being on the forensics team, the speech team and competed there. Being right there, I'd always look up on that hill and see that WBRC sign that had been there forever. And I'd say, one day, one day, I'm going to work up there. Had no idea how it was going to end up working out. Um, but that was it. And so UAB ended up being it. I, I became president of the SBJ SDX and started doing all things that had to do with broadcast journalism. And um, so UAB really turned out to be the greatest blessing. If I had gone off to school anywhere else, I wouldn't have had that access that I did early on. I got an internship at Channel 6 when I was a beginning of my sophomore and my junior year. It was my junior year when I got the internship. And usually, you know, you don't get those to your senior. But I bugged them so much about it. That I got the internship and then I auditioned my um, journalism professor at UAB told me she wanted me to audition for the paid internship at Channel 13 for the summer and they mm -hmm. paid summer interns and I was like okay I'll try and I want it so I ended up working there all that summer getting paid and at the end of that the news director Tom Roberts whom I think to this day asked me would I stay on and still go to UAB and go to UAB in the mornings and work in the evenings. And I started editing a video for the newscast. That's how it started. What is it about broadcast journalism that drew you into that profession? Because as you know, as I know, it's not necessarily an easy profession because of the odd hours from time to time. I mean, heck, you're on the morning show now, so you know it all very, very well. You know, and at that time when I was coming up in the business, being an anchor of the 10 o'clock newscast was what you strived for. Yeah. You know, that was that was the pinnacle. Um, it only became later that I realized my calling was mornings. And that's what became, you know, one of the most popular day parts, you know, later. But when I was it, boy, I'm really going to date myself because I am getting up there. But um, 
I was watching, I was one of those kids, I was watching the Democratic convention when Jimmy Carter okay. was running for president. And, um, you know, I was just a kid, but I was watching it with my mom. And I said, can I stay up a little bit longer and watch the rest of the convention? Because I loved the reporters on the floor with those big headsets. Yeah. Talking into those microphones. I just, I was fascinated by it. I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I was, I guess I was 13 at that time. And, um, and so I did. So I, from that point on, I was like, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a journalist. But I didn't know the path I was going to take. And then when I got to UAB, um, you know, I, I got access to people who helped me, you know, make that path a reality. And I ended up interviewing, and to this day, Pam Huff is my mentor. I ended up interviewing her for a paper on women in broadcasting. Now, that's how long it's been that we were doing a paper on women in broadcasting because yeah. there weren't that many. And so I interviewed her and she told me now, Keep in mind, I went to McAdory High School, and back then I was Janice Rogers, McAdory High School. So it was, you know, <laughs> I had this accent. And um, she said, Janice, when the interview was over, she says, man, Janice, she said, the camera's going to love you, but you got to get rid of that accent. So I spent the rest of my time reading into our tape recorder, reading the paper, reading magazines and listening to it back, reading again, reading again, until I developed Till I got rid of the high and the by and the why um, so that I could, I'm still Southern, but I had to get rid of that. And so that all happened because of all my connections to UAB. What was the program like when you were here um, in the journalism and broadcasting department? Yeah, it was a lot smaller, obviously, you know, back then high schools, you know, we didn't have the studios that they have now. Mm -hmm. And we had a small studio then, but we had great professors who, you know, who would guide us into it. And it was really the, you know, I know today's a lot different, but back then um, coming up in the business was, it was just the beginning of really the major networks and then CNN was coming in and, you know, all these things were happening. So it was a really exciting time. And, and so at UAB, I got to you know, be in a small studio and do some things. But that's why at that time, my professor wanted me to get these internships really early because it gave me access, um, you know, to the TV stations being right right there up on the hill. So it was a lot different than it is now. It, the broadcast journalism schools are a whole lot different than they were when I was there. And I know you'll probably be humble with this next question, but when did you discover you had a talent for TV? That is a hard question. <laughs> um, I have always been comfortable talking in front of people. I've, I enjoy people. So I've always loved talking to people. My mom and dad, I would hang out with the adults, you know, when they would have people over and just talk with them. So I enjoyed that. Um, you know, and I would do plays in high school. I was, I did, I was in, I took, um, theater class at UAB and I did plays there and um, so I've just always been comfortable in that way but when I got into the business and started really broadcasting and getting to do stories I discovered that when I would go out on a story it was easy to interview people the stories would come together really easy I'd sit down at that time a typewriter and start banging out my story and it would just flow I mean they would just I knew how I wanted to structure the story. And so that was that, that 
was easy for me. I don't know why. I couldn't, you know, like I was never an overachiever. Like I wasn't one that made straight A's all the time. I sometimes barely got by, you know, with my grades. But in that category, it was a breeze and it was very easy for me. I started doing live shots when they finally started letting me report. And when I, when I realized that I may have what Pam called a natural talent, um, was when I was in the newsroom and I would hear, they would be breaking news happening and I would hear the producer say, hey, send Janice, send Janice so she can go live at five. And I was like, why are they doing that? Yeah, I mean, I was really naive. And then, you know, I found out later it's because they thought I was very comfortable and doing live shots. And so, so I did. And so I was doing a live, I, there was a tornado had hit um, I think down in Bibb County, and I was live on the noon show. And at that time, Mike Royer was um, anchoring then. And he says, I interviewed, I was standing in the middle of somebody's house that had blown away. And I'm standing there doing the story. And I interviewed the gentleman that lived there. And Mike said, hey, Janice, do you know if he has insurance? And I said, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. Let me find out. And I turned around and I called him over. And I thought I had done something wrong because when I got back to the station, um, Mike and the news director wanted to talk to me because I thought I'd done something wrong by saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. But what they told me was, we loved that you were honest and said, you know, I don't know. Let me find out. So what that did for me was gave me permission to be who I was comfortable being. And from that point on, it just became just very easy. And I still get nervous. I, you know, I still do all those things, but it's very easy uh, talking to people and being on TV. The TV industry is one that really gets criticized a lot because it skews this way, that way. Do you think the root of broadcast has kind of gone away from what you mentioned with the genuineness, the, the trustworthiness that you set out to be? Yeah. I don't want to sound like an old fogey. And I think that's what me and my colleagues who are close to me in age, we feel like we sound like sometimes back in our day. Um, but yeah, but it's not, the problem is it, it's just whatever, it's what's happened with social media. Mm -hmm. um, with like we were talking about in the newsroom this week that when stories like, I don't know, the, the, the bombing of the abortion clinic when Eric Robert Rudolph was on the run and you know, a number of other stories, there was no social media. Mm -hmm. So everything that we did, we did, we broke on TV. We gathered that information and vetted that information before we broadcast it. Now things can be talked about and done before the vetting is over. And it's because of People see it on Twitter, whether it's true or not. You know, they see somebody posted it on Facebook, so it must be true. So I do think kids today coming up in the business are missing out on a really great part of journalism that I got to grow up in. Where do you see journalism heading now with everything that you just talked about, with technology, the way things have changed over the last, you know, course of your career? Where's yeah. it going? Gosh, that is a great question, and I don't really know the answer to it. All I can tell you is that it's changed, and people, it's still a great industry. I still love what we do. There's more pressure put on the young reporters now 
you know, they have to not only do their stories, they'll get two stories, sometimes three stories a day, Mm -hmm. but they have to do their stories. They have to do it for the web. They have to tweet about it. They have to post about it. So they, it's harder for them, but they're also learning at a time when they don't know anything else. So it's not as hard as maybe someone like myself thinks it is. But, you know, we're told as time goes on, I don't know if, I don't think it'll be in my lifetime, you know, that one day network television will be totally different. That like channel six, 13, 42, you know, whatever will not be an affiliate. We will just be a local TV station and we will fill those hours that the networks now fill. That day is coming, you know, and I don't know when. So that's going to be different. So you're going to have almost, well, you look at us now. We're on air from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. We go off the air. We come back on at 11 now. We have a 12 o'clock. We go off for, what, three hours, come back on at four. I mean, so we're, I mean, gosh, one day, you know, when I first started at Channel 6, their their motto was your 24-hour news source and we weren't on you know very long at all but now we're almost going to be your 24-hour news source so but news is big business it still makes money and um tv stations keep adding hours of news you know sometimes i don't get it i'm thankful for it but that's why i love good day alabama because we do news but we get to have fun too and um, get to do good interviews and, 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 you know, when, when bad stuff happens, when the tornadoes hit and when the snowstorms, ice storms hit, television is still where it is. And I tell some of the younger people, you can put yourself on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You cannot put yourself on TV. TV is still magical. And, I try to remind people of that. TV is still special because you cannot put yourself on TV. And if something bad is happening, everybody wants to turn on the television. Now, they may be watching it on their phones. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not be watching on traditional television, but TV is still very important. We talked about where TV's going. You touched on where it's been. How much has the industry changed since you became a professional? And we'll say when you started that internship that you're getting paid at Channel 13. Yeah. So CNN was your only, at that time, your 20, your 24-hour news. Yep. Um, and they were just starting back then. But people, you know, turning tuning in to Channel 6 or Channel 13, whoever you like, you know, that was appointment television. And... Honey, turn the news on. The news is coming on. That was tradition. Well, now, I mean, people still do it, thank God, but not like they did because they know they have access to what I'm talking to you on right now in their hand at any time. They can find out what's going on. For me, that is the biggest thing, that TV news was appointment television, and it's not necessarily that way anymore. Looking back over the course of your career, what is the biggest story that you covered wow there have oh man there have been so many um you know there are the serious stories and then there are the fun stories that i've been allowed to do you know all these years um i'll tell you one um so we charlton heston 
you know who Trump has yep. to try. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think a lot of kids may know too much today, the younger kids, but he was on Good Day Alabama one morning and we were like so excited about him coming on, you know, and Charlton Heston, you know, Moses walks into the studio. But so it's been people like that that I've gotten to interview. I got to do a, you know, like a lengthy interview in the studio with Jimmy Carter, former president Jimmy Carter. You know, I got to sit there and we talked to him and the studio was packed with Secret Service people and everybody from the station came into the studio to watch this interview. And I was just a, I was nervous, but, um, you know, when it was over, he, he took my hand and patted me and said, that was very good. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, I'm, I'm good now, but there, um, you know, the torn things that stand out. We were on the air, and I mentioned the abortion clinic bombing. We were on the air with my co-anchor at that time, Pat McReynolds, and it was a sunny day, and we knew that, but we heard the explosion because we're just, it's just down from the station. Mm-hmm. And we're like, is that thunder? I didn't, I, boy, the weather was fine just a few minutes ago, so we didn't know. And so, but we heard the explosion, and then we discovered that, you know, that's what it was. And so we went wall-to-wall coverage at that time with that and that just became one of the biggest stories ever but it was probably 9-11 that stands out I know for so many people but we are again we're on the air my co-anchor was doing uh, a segment a light-hearted segment and um my producer got in my ear and she said hey Janice you know they talk that little thing in our ear and she says hey Janice um listen we think a plane has hit one of the towers in New York Um, We don't know what it is, you know, but I just want you to be on standby just in case. And I said, oh, okay. I'm thinking somebody had a heart attack, small plane. Mm -hmm. I go into the weather office where all our TVs are on different stations and I am seeing it. And I'm like, what in the world? So I come back. She has to get back on TV. You got to get back on TV. So I run back out. She tells Rick to toss to me. And, you know, at that time, all I said was, we don't know what's happened but a plane has gone into one of the trade towers and um, we're going to stay with this and we're going to figure out what's going on with you. Well, as time went on, we took Fox News Channel's coverage mm-hmm. and we were all sitting there together watching that second plane go into the towers and we watched them fall. And for the first time, I think in my career, we were, I was scared. You know, we were all scared. And they knew there was another plane. They didn't know where it was going. And we were told that it was possibly it was headed to the White House. And I looked over at my co-anchor, Rick, and he had tears in his eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, if he's tearing up, I'm done. So we stayed on the air that day, you know, as long as we could. And that was probably one of the most emotional things ever. And I couldn't, you know, you just, I mean, everybody remembers where they were, you know, when that happened. The other things would be, and I won't linger too long, is when um, that the winter storm happened that surprised everybody and stranded everybody on the interstates. Yeah. We were on the air that morning for our regular show. We knew snow, ice, whatever snow was coming. It was supposed to be South Montgomery though. And Wes Wyatt was in the weather office and I was getting ready to do um, a satellite interview after the show was over. And I'm sitting there and I'm had my phone and I'm looking and I see this picture that somebody had tweeted out of Tuscaloosa. And it was snowing like crazy. And I said, Wes, do you know it's snowing in Tuscaloosa? And he was like, he spun his chair. He said, what? (laughs) And 
from that moment on, the whole world changed, you know, and it just kept coming. And when I really knew we were in trouble was when my husband called me and he says, or I was on the set with Janet Hall and we were in wall to wall coverage. And my husband texted me and said, I'm going to get Noah at school. And then he texts back. We've had a wreck. Mm. So I'm on the air with Janet trying to guide people through what's going on. I see my husband telling me they're okay, but they've had a wreck. They got hit by an ambulance because oh, wow. of snow. They were, yeah. And um, they ended up having to spend the night at some stranger's house because nobody could get anywhere. So, but we stayed on the air. We didn't go home. It was weird because we couldn't take showers, <laughs> but we stayed on the air for days yeah. and helped people and guided people. And that is what broadcast journalism is to me. That's when it really, really matters. And that was the first time we intertwined social media and TV to help people because people were sending us messages on Facebook saying, you know, we're trapped or we need something. So it just those few things have just, I mean, I have so many over 30 something years, but those certainly stand out. And those are people that when you're on the set, they're people you grew up with. They're your neighbors. What's it been like being the local girl that became <laughs> the local anchor? And you've spent your entire career in Birmingham at this point. Yeah, it has been it has been crazy. And and I got I, I don't remember when I got to a point that I realized I've been in the business so long that there were kids who now had kids and said, I grew up watching you. <laughs> so that's always been a weird thing to me. But I tell people if when I was at McAdory High School, if somebody had told me, because I was a Channel 6 watcher when we were ABC affiliate, if somebody had told me you're going to one day work with Bill Bolin and you're going to be an anchor up there with him and he's going to be one of your best friends of your life, I would have laughed so hard. But look what happened. You know, I ended up getting that morning, sh you know, we had to start the morning show because of Fox. We didn't know what Fox was. And so that's when I left Channel 13 is um, things were changing over there. And um, I've been there for nine years and really um, the general manager at Channel 6 had called me and said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. But we weren't really allowed because I was under contract. Mm -hmm. and anyway, so I ended up going to work there and didn't. He said, trust me, I cannot tell you what I have in store for you. But trust me, I've got big plans and I know you're the one for it. Now talk about going on faith. Yeah. And I left Channel 13, had to stay out six months under a no-compete clause, went to work for them. And within that six months, we all learned we'll be involved by Fox and that we were going to lose Good Morning America and that we had to start our own morning show. And it was only one hour at that time because we had the regular morning news yeah. daybreak. Um, but I was like, you want me to do what? And he says, yep, you're going to start a morning show. And I thought my career was over. I really thought I had ruined everything because all I ever knew was I needed to be a 10 o'clock anchor. That's what I, my goal was. But here we are 27 years later and we're, thank God, still number one in the market. We've been at times the highest rated morning show in the country, Fox affiliate in the country. So, and I think it's the people just like the local, they like local. And my coworkers have been in the biz, in this market for so long too, that 
they say we feel like family. And um, so that's, I guess that's why it's worked. That's Janice Rogers. Janice graduated from the College of Arts and Sciences with a bachelor's degree in communication studies. Today, she's co-anchor of Good Day Alabama. With a passion for sharing the stories of the community she lives in, Janice still remains close to her alma mater and has a great idea of what it means to be a Blazer. I have so much pride in it. I mean, I can't, just can't tell you. Um, it's hometown. It's real. It's small town like me but big enough that we make a big splash. I love the feel of UAB football games. I, I was on the set and got a phone call from one of my contacts, one of my sources and said, they're about to shut down the UAB football program. And we were the first ones to report it because of the contact that I had with UAB and bringing it back. Oh my gosh, that was, I was determined to do every story I could at that time to when we were trying to bring the program back. But, you know, just being a blazer is just being hometown, sincere, faithful, loyal, all those things that we like to say. And um, I love it. I am proud to be a blazer. And I tell everyone everywhere I go that I'm a UAB grad. I'd like to invite you to listen to previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. Check us out at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share or know someone we should reach out to? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on social media. Search UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Go Blazers!